Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Tilted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Boucher. And welcome to the Tilted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Blue Shirts. It's been a few weeks since we've been on, but we're back, and it's time to talk Stanley Cup Final. It's time to talk off-season plans. It's time to talk about our new head coach, who just got officially announced today, in David Quinn, former Boston University coach. And I couldn't personally be more thrilled. So let's give you the rundown for today's show. Me, I'm joined today by Mr. Zach Chigger, who most of you know is the editor-in-chief of Forever Blue Shirts. Uh, joining us in just a few minutes will be uh, Michael Lindenbaum of the Experience Hockey Talk podcast. Uh, we, we've been on his show a few times. He's a great guy. I met him last year. Runs a great uh, hockey podcast. Also does some great wrestling stuff. Uh, he lives a little further south. He's a big Caps fan, so we're going to get his take on the Stanley Cup final. And joining us in the second half-hour block of the show will be Norwegian reporter Roy Kavatningen to discuss uh, topics relating to the team, including Matt Zuccarello's possible future and uh, a look into if he wants to stay uh, with the David Quinn regime starting. So a lot to talk about on today's Tilted Eyes podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to have a lot of content come summertime still. Probably going to do about maybe monthly. We're thinking maybe bi-monthly with the podcast during the off-season. Uh, and check back with us again uh, probably around the draft, maybe after Stanley Cup Final, where we'll be talking about what picks the Rangers will uh, – oh, who the Rangers have picked in the draft. So uh, while I wait for Zach here, let's kick things off to talk about David Quinn. So David Quinn, uh, obviously the officially official announcement took place yesterday. His um, press conference was today. sounded very – very um, ah, like a breath of fresh air after what we've been through with Elaine Vino in recent months and I would say the past year with the decisions that he made. Um, I guess the first thing off the bat with David Quinn, he seems like a very approachable type of coach. Uh, you see that with the way that people talk about him. You see that in the way that players that have played for him feel about him. Uh, you can tell just by the way he was talking at his press conference that he is the type of guy that uh, he understands how to work with people. He understands how to build relationships with his players. Uh, I am personally very thrilled at the hire. I think that it, they couldn't have picked a better guy at this stage in the game. He uh, looks like he is going to be a fantastic coach for this generation of blue shirts. And an interesting point I'd like to make is a uh, shout out to Ad Valley View, Mr. Stephen Valaket, for pointing this out. You know, a bunch of years ago, Quinn might not have been the right coach for this team and that, and how the NHL was just a few years ago. Uh, coming out of college, used to more younger type players. But now it seems he, you know, now it seems the league is trending towards these types of guys coming out of the college ranks. We've seen Dave Haxtell, who's now the coach of Philadelphia Flyers, Jim Montgomery, the coach of Dallas Stars, right from the NCAA straight to the NHL, and now David Quinn. 
from uh, Boston University to the New York Rangers. So if everyone is worried, let me calm your fears about David Quinn. This guy knows how to work with young players, which is exactly what we need. Elaine Vigneault was a much more veteran-oriented coach than Quinn was. So he, Elaine Vigneault was not the right guy going forward here. He needs a more veteran team to work with. David Quinn will nurture these young players. He knows how to talk to them. He knows how to help them turn into the players they can be. He's worked with really good talent in the past, including Jack Eichel, and he was an assistant coach when Kevin Shattenkirk was at BU as well. This is the type of coach the Rangers needed, a type of guy that is going to mold himself with the team, grow with the team. Uh, you know, it's good to see that they went in the right direction, took their time with the search, and ultimately found the guy that they wanted. So here we are, day one of the David Quinn regime, basically, and I'm seeing a lot of positive things out there for him as well. So it's good to see that around the hockey world, a lot of people like what the New York Rangers have been doing. They like the fact that they went and took their time and got a guy who it sees a little bit of a risk since he hasn't coached in the league before, but at the same time, he is a guy who, excuse me, who the Rangers absolutely needed to hire. He's going to be great for guys like Bucinevich and Anthony D'Angelo and Leah Sanderson and Filipino, who are looking to make an impact on this team going forward. So, I mean, look, he is kind of night and day from Elaine Vigneault. He also preaches the possession game. He preaches the fact that he is not a guy who likes to dump the puck in and chase and figure out what to do after that. He preaches bringing the puck over the blue line and having the puck to make plays with. Because when you have the puck, the opponent does it, and that is how you win games. Possession is everything in today's game. So I think that is a fantastic way to look at this. I think that he is going to absolutely kill it when his, his first training camp starts. And I think his expertise, even for the draft, is going to be fantastic to have. Someone that Gordy Clark can bounce ideas off of. So we will definitely see how he does. Uh, over the next few months, we'll get to know David Quinn a lot more. Uh, it was very nice hearing him interact with the press today. It was very nice seeing the comments, seeing and hearing the comments he had to make. So, I'm all for this uh, David Quinn hire. I think it's going to be a fantastic thing for the Rangers. I think they made 100% the right choice. And um, I don't think that they could have made a better one. Um, I've seen, ultimately, on Twitter as well, some people are a little worried that he didn't have the experience. But remember, not everyone does. And he does have experience prior he has coached with the Colorado Avalanche before. He was an assistant coach during one season. He also coached the Lake Erie Monsters for three years. And he has been a head coach and an assistant coach at Boston University. So moving ahead here, uh, he's just a great guy. He is a guy that knows what it's going to take to get the job done. And he knows that they're going through a rebuild. He said that even motivated him more when I was listening to another conference he had with the reporters after the initial press conference. He wants to be a part of this team. He wants to help build them. And, uh, you know, going forward, it's just it's going to be fantastic to uh, see what he does with this team. And I couldn't be more thrilled to, uh, you know, to have David Quinn as the 35th head coach in New York Rangers history. Um, tweet at us. Let us know. What things about David Quinn did you like? Do you think he's going to be a fantastic coach? Do you think that – 
you know, do you think that there's going to be some growing pains? Personally, I do as well, but we will definitely see what happens in the coming months. And now I would like to welcome a very special guest onto our show. Well, first let's welcome Zach. Zach, how are you, buddy? I thought I was a special guest. Uh, sorry, we have a little bit of a special guest today, someone who's been asking to be on the show for a while, and I've owed him because I've been on his show quite a few times. So let's bring him on, and then Zach can give his thoughts about David Quinn. Okay, this next guest right here is someone who has invited me and Zach on his show quite a few times. I've met him once, and we had a great first meeting. I've talked to him numerous times throughout the past year. He's a great guy. Super Caps fan, I'd like everyone to welcome to the Tilted Ice podcast, the host of the Experience Hockey Talk, Mr. Michael Lindenbaum. Mike, how are you, man? Oh, man, I think I, I, I don't know what to do now. I, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm just too overwhelmed by that introduction. I mean, what happened last night again? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, I'm sure you're thrilled about what happened last night. We will get to that in just a minute, but Zach... And Mike, if you want to feel free to chime in on this too. Zach, what did you think about David Quinn's presser today? And what do you think about Dave, the David Quinn hire going along here? So the David, the David Quinn hire, I'm a huge fan of. Um, you know, certainly with a young team, you're going to want a coach who's a little bit um, more aligned with the uh, – where the players are coming from, uh, you're going to have potentially at least 10, um, you have potentially at least 10 NCAA uh, alumni on the Rangers roster next year. Certainly getting a coach from the collegiate ranks is a good, is a good idea. Um, You know, I found it interesting where he said that uh, his, philosophy is defending starts the second you don't have the puck. Um, and it's something that I've seen Vegas a lot um, that as soon as they lose the puck, there's always someone putting on pressure. As soon as um, there's a battle in the corner, there's no hesitation. Guys just go right in. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for uh, from him. My my gut feeling is that he's going to be a cross between uh, Torts and AV, where you'll get the constant puck pressure, the willingness to give up the body, but also that high speed, uh, high skill game that will uh, that will certainly benefit the Rangers in the long run. The only question now is how well will he develop the talent he has? I agree. I think he was absolutely 100% the right choice, and I really look forward to seeing uh, his progression with the team. So, the Stanley Cup Final was finally set last night with Game 7 between the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning concluding with a dominant, dominant uh, win by the Washington Capitals last night, 4-0 over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 7 with Alex Ovechkin launching a bomb past Mr. Andre Vasilevsky with 102 in the first period and the Caps owning the game since that point. Mike, you are a huge Caps fan, maybe the biggest Caps fan that I know. How do you feel about this? How does it feel finally to get back to the Stanley Cup Final? 
So just to put a little historical reference on here, the last time the Capitals made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, I was 11 years old. It's been 20 years. You can do the math. I'm old. But, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it feels good, you know, and you and I, we've talked about this before, both on and off air in the past on TXHT, that, you know, going into this season, you know, I was the most excited about this season because in past seasons they've always had those high expectations and they've been able to coast through the regular season and not really face adversity. And this is the season where they have to face adversity from the start of the regular season all the way to now. And I think when you put in the factor that the Capitals got to exercise the demons of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the second round, um, third time's the charm on this one, or in this case, the 11th time's the charm as well um, overall. Um, and it just kind of carried over into this series. I mean, yeah, they kept played a couple duds in the middle part of the series, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time right now. And, uh, but, you know, like the one thing I keep telling a lot of my buddies down here in the D.C. area is, is that the Caps haven't won anything yet. There's still four wins that need that they need to win. And, uh you know, yeah, so it's like they haven't won anything yet, but it's it's kind of nice at the same time to finally be in this spotlight again after uh, not being in it for 20 years. Yeah, and let me tell you, I mean, uh, it's been very mixed between Ranger fans, everyone, uh, fans of every other team I'm seeing on Twitter, who they want to win the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we'll get Zach's thoughts in a minute, but personally, me, I said this from the conference final, I'm sticking with it. I want to see Alexander Ovechkin lift the Stanley Cup for the first time in his career. Now, Zach might not agree with me. I know John Luke from our site doesn't agree with me, but I have always loved Alexander Ovechkin's play style. The guy is arguably the greatest goal scorer of this generation, and I and I can say that if this dude was playing in the 1980s, we'd be looking at our first 1,000-goal scorer. He's that good. And I think I would be amazing to finally see him get that cup, end all this talk of saying Ovi doesn't have a cup, and truly cement him as having everything he needs to be an all-time, all-time great. So I, I'm pulling for you guys, and I know some Ranger fans might not like to hear that, but I think it's a great story to see if Alex Ovechkin gets that Stanley Cup. Zach, what do you think, man? So as I, as I tweeted last night, um, and I tagged Michael in it, um, look, I, did, I didn't want the Capitals to, to win the Cup or to even get to the Cup for that matter. Um, just personally, as a Ranger fan who's seen the battles, you don't really, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, live long enough to become the villain, so to speak. Sorry, Russ. Um, <laughs> but you got but, a couple of comic you know, book nerds over here. Come on now. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, <laughs> no, look, if if the Capitals end up winning the Cup, it's great for Ovechkin. It's great for hockey. He'll that's one more name you can cross off the greatest to never win list um across all sports really. You know, Dan Marino um is really the most famous one, uh, aside from Ovechkin and, and obviously Henrik Lundqvist. But um it it'll definitely be a fun series. You're talking about two teams that have similar styles of play. Um, as I mentioned, Vegas is puck, are puck hounds. Washington are puck hounds, but they like to throw the body a little bit more. Um, Tom Wilson will certainly have an impact on the series. 
Oh uh, yes. As will as Ryan Reeves uh, for Vegas. So you know, certainly it will be a boxing match at some point in each game. I I would expect. But uh, I, I would say it's debatable about Ryan Reeves because Ryan Reeves has only played like maybe two three games the entire playoffs. And he's played. He's only played the yeah, last and, couple. He's played yeah. the last couple for Vegas and. Considering you're gonna have uh, Tom Wilson out now again, if if Gerard Gallant is going to focus his attention on Tom Wilson, that that leaves two things: it leaves Ovechkin open, obviously number one, but number two is is you have to match up. The problem the problem with Wilson is that he's on the first line. If Wilson was a fourth line guy, you know, putting him on against Wilson wouldn't. Putting uh, Ryan Reeves on, excuse me, against Wilson wouldn't be such a big deal. But mm-hmm. Wilson is the is the uh, the brute strength for the mafia boss Ovechkin, so to speak. <laughs> so, so you know, putting your fourth line uh, veteran um, body smasher in Ryan Reeves on the ice whenever Ovechkin steps on, you're going to run yourself into a huge matchup problem. Matchup problem. That's not mm-hmm. the, and that, and well, it's not, not just Ovechkin that, that you got to worry about in that case. you also got to worry about Evgeny Kuznetsov as well. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, is that uh, as we also saw with the Ovechkin goal last night and a few other goals in the series, you know, Tom Wilson has eight assists. And Wilson assisted on the game-winning goal last night by Tom, uh, by Alexander Ovechkin by doing the nice dish to uh, Kuznetsov, who didn't throw it to Ovechkin. So, get it in that perspective. You know, yeah, outside of the fight with Coburn, where I thoroughly agree with Tom Wilson fighting Coburn because you got to you got to fight for the honor of the, the uniform that you wear. You know, to have it kind of tossed around like the way Coburn did it last night, you you got to stand up for that. But um, but. Other than that, outside of you know, you know that Wilson's been contributing offensively, and he's really been as the series have gotten deeper and deeper. He's been trying his best to, you know, rein it in a bit, you know, not be kind of like that wild man and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, he had the suspension in the Pittsburgh series, but like with Tampa Bay, you could tell that he was being more reined in, and if he stays reined in. You know, he's going to be a more offensive threat than he is going to be just brute force on that first yeah. line. And that's and something that people, you know, especially Vegas needs to, you know, worry about a little bit. Because Wilson, you know, the guy could sc- the guy can score, especially now that he's starting to get his hands to him now. I must say, uh, all year Mike has been an advocate for Tom Wilson. As long as I've known him, he has been an advocate for Tom Wilson. I didn't see it. Damn but right I've I'm been a, an advocate for Tom Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Tom Wilson last night, that 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 was like that did it for me. Like the guy was not afraid to throw down in game seven. And yeah, you took yourself off the ice, which you shouldn't always do. But he made his point and he's like especially the fact that he's a big dude with skill like that, and that he's like like Zach said, he's the brute strength for the mob boss in Ovechkin. Like that line with him and Kuzi and Ovi is so awesome to watch play. And the fact that they all kind of mo- go off each other so well is really something nice to see. And, and Tom Wilson finally came into his own. 
He's, he's, I mean, some people, oh, man, I want to see Tom Wilson get beat up. He's a villain, this and that. Dude, Tom Wilson played awesome last night. If you, I feel like most hockey fans can appreciate what he did last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, well, the other also, thing is, is that also keep this in mind. Keep, keep this in mind. We always be, we, you guys keep saying that Wilson's the brute strength of that line. He ain't the brute strength of that line. Him and Ovechkin are the brute strength of mm. that line. Cause That's true. If you looked at the last few games, especially in like the, the last game six against Pittsburgh, Ovechkin has been throwing his body around a lot more. Yeah. Soon. We've always known Ovechkin to be a very physical presence. So having two physical presence on the first line, both of which who can be offensive threats, that also leaves Evgeny Kuznetsov very wide open at the same time too. And yeah. the only, see what type of wizardry Evgeny Kuznetsov can do. The only thing I'll add to that, or whatever, is Ovechkin is known as you know the the complete player, so to speak. I mean, he is, but you know, in terms of able to throw the body and able to fire lasers, like we saw last night. Wilson, on the other hand, until the last few weeks, essentially, or in your case, Mike, uh, since you know October has never been known as an offensive guy. He's always been known as, uh, I wouldn't say a goon, but the guy who's going to, you know, throw himself into people, start fights, uh, you know, stick up for his teammates, which is always great, but he was never known as a guy who's going to contribute offensively until now. So, so yeah. Well, when he was drafted, when he was drafted, he was a goal scorer in juniors. So they knew that he, that he could score. But the thing is, though, is that, and, and actually it wasn't really October when, you know, I could see it, you know, especially when you heard the comments in training camp of how, you know, Trotz, Barry Trotz and Brian McClellan want to see, you know, Tom Wilson do uh, score multiple uh, multi-point or double digits and goals. That's the word I was looking for, double digits. Um, really, where it started the show was in that Toronto series in last season's playoffs because that's kind of when – the hand started to show up for Tom Wilson and when it came to offense. And he was able to carry it over into this season. And it was like, you know, he started – and actually I think he had a overtime game winner in one of them, or he just had a, a, a regulation winner against Toronto because he had a two-goal game. I remember that. And, you know, if you put him on the top line with Ovechkin and, and Kuznetsov or Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom, who we haven't talked about yet, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that right there, you know, opens the door. And the more you let him play with those type of guys, the more he's going to build up his confidence. And that's something else, you know, and Russell, you and I have talked about this several times before. The biggest thing that screwed up Tom Wilson was the fact that he should have never have played for Adam Oates and George McPhee. He yeah. should have his rookie season should have been the first year Barry Trotz and Brian McClellan took over the Washington Capitals. Yeah, and sometimes and you're it's seeing all about and you're seeing Trotz and you're seeing Trotz rebuild Tom Wilson over the last four years, and that's what we're seeing. Like, now. like you said, Mike, we haven't brought up Nicholas Backstrom yet, and I think he's equally as important to this equation because everyone the storyline here is Ovi, yes, but Nicholas Backstrom has been a Washington Capital for almost as long as Alexander Ovechkin has as well. And one of the best pure passers in the entire National Hockey League. Guy, like, fantastic vision, 
Um, you got to be happy for him too. He's such a classy player too. He's never, never the goon title, never anything like that. Just great vision, great player. So good on Nicholas Backstrom as well. And remember, the guy is not even a hundred percent at the moment. Uh, we're not sure. Yeah, he, he's uh, Mike, going for the he's going for the handshake line. Um, it's his right hand um, that is hurt. Uh, we know that for a fact. And um, we've noticed that, like, in the handshake line last night and when he's doing the fist bumps with the players, he's using his left hand instead of his right hand mm-hmm. um, as, as a measure to protect the, uh, the right hand. And um, obviously, um, with Vegas having eight days off and the Capitals having four days off before a game, one of the finals being Monday, that's actually a good thing for, you know, Backstrom. And actually, not only that, but for TJ Oshie, because we know that, you know, we don't know what's ailing him, but we know he's yeah. definitely a little banged up. Um, it's also going to be good for Devontae Smith-Pelly, who it's took the puck to the back of the neck last night. Um, yeah, courtesy and actually, of Brian you know, And that's the thing. We, scary to watch. Yeah. But, um, but actually, you know, another thing that we haven't talked about, you know, I mentioned Devontae Smith-Pelly, you know, who had an amazing playoff series along with Brett Connolly. Uh, Brett Conley, somebody who I said I sh- I wouldn't have re-signed him going into last off season, and you know the lessons that he learned from getting scratched in last year's playoffs has really translated well into this year's playoffs for the Washington Capitals and Brett Connolly, and I really like what I'm seeing out of him. Devontae Smith Pelly is playing extremely well, scoring very timely goals too. I um. You know, and Brett Colley being a former draft pick and the first draft pick that Steve Eisman ever did, too, as a general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, scoring two goals against the Lightning to help, you know, help the Capitals. That That's, like, beautiful music right there. <laughs> but um, but the other thing is, is that uh, another thing that we haven't talked about is obviously Braden Holpe in the net and the defense mm-hmm. of the Washington Capitals. And, you know, you have John Carlson, Dimitri Olov, and Matt Niskin and really supplying the offense for the Capitals. But the the trade pickup of Michael Kempney from Chicago has really worked out very well for the Capitals. I mean, yeah, he had a game and a half where he was just taking stupid penalties and stuff like that, and then he got himself back in order. Um, same with Lars Eller. Lars Eller, you know, he, he's been playing great all playoffs as well, especially when Backstrom was out for those four games. And then uh, Brooks Orpik, you know, everyone, for some reason, everyone here in D.C. loves to talk a lot of crap about Brooks Orpik, but Brooks Orpik is the only guy on the team who's won a Stanley Cup, and he's showing why he's won a Stanley Cup, and he's been playing the game, you know, the way it needs to be played in the playoffs, and he's a plus 15 in yeah. regards to plus minus. You know, he's, he's doing kind of all the right things, he's blocking he's shots and stuff. Yeah. He's doing and all the then, right things and good on Brooks Orpik because I remember people saying that last year when the Kevin Shattenkirk thing didn't work out for the Capitals that a lot of it was blamed on Brooks Orpik for being kind of a paperweight. But Brooks Orpik is proving his worth to the Washington Capitals. So really good on Brooks Orpik. And, um, you know, from and an he's got one year left on his contract. Yeah. Orpik has one year left on his contract. So from an outside we're, we're definitely going to get one more good year. But uh, And then Braden Holpe. Oh, yeah, Braden, definitely Braden Holpe. But, see, me and Zach, obviously, we're bigger Ranger fans, of course. <laughs> but from an outside perspective here, I feel like leading into Braden Holpe, um, Braden Holpe did something these past two games, and the last that the last goalie to do the same thing was Henrik Lundqvist. And that was get back-to-back shutouts in games six and seven. 
of a, of a Stanley Cup playoff series. Um, well, actually, which, interestingly, I was looking at a history thing when I was, before I called in for the Washington Capitals. The last time they had back-to-back shutouts to close out a series, period. Didn't, it wasn't six or seven, but it was actually 1998, second round against the Ottawa Senators by Olaf Kolzik. Yeah, only it's been the goalie, 20 right? years. It's been 20 <laughs> yeah. years since a goalie for the Washington Capitals have gone in back-to-back shutouts to end a series. And how That's ironic awesome. that it's the year, both for years that the Capitals are going to, have gone to the finals. So, Zach, we'll start with you here, and we'll, then we'll go back to Mike. How do you see the Stanley Cup final playing out? How many games, and who is lifting the trophy at the end of the Stanley Cup final, and who wins the Conn Smythe Trophy? Ooh, um, well, let's see. Like I said, it's going to be a good series. You have two highly offensive, uh, least skilled teams. You have two teams that are hungry for different reasons. Uh, Washington, obviously, not having been there in, in a while, and Vegas uh, never having been there at all because it's their first year in the league. Um, I I think it's going to go six or seven. Um, if Washington wins, um, Ovechkin is, is going to be the Conn Smythe winner. Um, barring he completely collapses and the rest of the team picks up the slack uh, in the cup, um, Ovechkin is going to win it. Um, he's been outstanding for the Capitals this postseason. Uh, if Vegas wins, um, it's, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. He's been, he's been their best player all year, um, and he's, he's really turned back the clock this season um, with the way he's played. So I'm going to go uh, – I don't want to do this, but I'm going to go Caps in six. Uh, I think them being a veteran team – a team that's been together, a core that's been together uh, for a while now. Um, I, I, I just think they're going to be, um, I don't know if they're going to be better in terms of, um, how do I say this? Ve- Vegas has everything going right now, but I think the Capitals are just going to be a little bit hungrier. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's Washington and six, but I certainly would not be shocked. If uh, if Vegas comes out with it, I just think they're they're so evenly matched um, offensively and in between the pipes that it's going to come down to little things like um, puck management and uh, staying out of the penalty box. Now, Zach, we can actually agree on the number of games, and I do think six games that the Washington Capitals will end up lifting the Stanley Cup over their heads. And I say this because last night after the final whistle blew and the Washington Capitals were celebrating winning uh, the Eastern Conference Championship, a lot of people that I was with said the Capitals feel like a team of destiny at this point. And the pressure has been off the Capitals this year. No President's Trophy, but they slayed the Dragon and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They came back from 0-2 against a hungry Columbus Blue Jackets team looking to prove themselves, and they beat the overall Stanley Cup favorites in the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games in a very convincing fashion, by the way. 
The Capitals controlled play for a lot of that series. Although Tampa did get some timely goals, I would give the edge an overall gameplay to the Washington Capitals. They played an extremely tight game, tight series, and they came out on top. Um, now, this Vegas story, don't get me wrong. Vegas has had an amazing run, amazing run all year, amazing run in the playoffs, amazing story coming out of this whole Vegas Golden Knights situation as well. All these guys coming together, you know, uh, all castaways from their team, pulling together, they call themselves the Golden Misfits and all of this and the other thing, and coming together after that terrible tragedy last year and really giving the city of Vegas something to rally behind. But I really do think that these Washington Capitals, they needed to beat the Penguins. They beat the Penguins, and now Ovechkin and company will get that trophy that they have been wanting for many years now, many years where they were favored, and now I think now that's within their grasp, I do not think there's any chance that they let it slip from their grasp. They will win the Stanley Cup final in six games. Alexander Ovechkin will be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner with runner-ups Evgeny Kuznetsov and Marc-Andre Fleury because the guy, even if though he might be on the losing side of this, has been absolutely exceptional in these playoffs, playing out of his mind and goal. And uh, the Washington Capitals will come out on top in this series. I'm almost certain of that. And now, Mike, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, I, we all agree on the number of games, which is six. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because um, – this series that uh, Vegas has had is six games, and that was with Winnipeg. You know, they went five games with San Jose, if I remember correctly, and they went four games with Los Angeles. So they've played fewer games than the Capitals, so they've get more rest. But as we've also learned in the playoffs, more rest can also be bad, especially in the playoffs because you want to keep that momentum rolling. Um and being how the Caps are taking four less days off than the Golden Knights, that definitely works in the Caps' favor, in my opinion, on that. Um, but it's really going to come down to road games because, as we know, the Caps are 8-2 and two on the road right now. And that's been their bread and butter. And, uh, I, and I think that's what's going to make it very interesting, and especially the fact that, you know, going into this, the Capitals are 0-2 against Vegas. And when they played in Vegas in the regular season, I believe Braden Holpe actually got pulled. And it was not a, it was not a pretty game. So it's, you know, if you can go on the, if, if the Capitals can steal one, at least one game in Vegas right off the bat, it's definitely going to be the Capitals in six. But at the same time, uh, the way Vegas has been playing and they've been consistent, don't know how, how long the rest is going to be, you know, so they can potentially get in in six as well. Um, it's just be nice that if, if the cup does get awarded in DC, that the Capitals get it to hand it to them and not the, uh, the, uh, the road team like in 98 with Detroit. But um, <laughs> another fact right there, but um it, honestly, I th- I seriously think it's the Caps in six because they've had the tougher series, so they have more. They're 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 uh, a little, little pun here. They're not the knights in shining armor going into this series. <laughs> they've gotten battered and bruised, and they've been oh. battle tested, and they've been battle tested going into the Stanley Cup Finals, and for Con Smythe. I know you guys have been saying Ovechkin. 
if Flurry really plays on his head and they're like one goal games, I could see Flurry getting it even if they lose. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a John Sebastian Shiger situation. Yeah, or it's going to be if Kenny Kuznets off. Because just All as good, good as Alex Ovechkin has been in the playoffs, Evgeny Kuznetsov has been just as good as well. So yeah. I, I definitely think Kuznetsov could uh, get the con Smythe. It's going to be – Even if the Caps lose, it, you know, even if the Caps lose, I could still see Kuznetsov getting the con Smythe too because it's it's completely possible. The winning team doesn't always have the con Smythe winner. Yeah, it's true. It's going to be an intense series. It's going to be a fast series. It's going to be – I mean, who could have picked Washington and Vegas in the final in October? I mean, if you did, you're probably, you know, you 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 made a lot of money in the Vegas betting. I had Tampa. Point. I had Tampa versus Nashville. I did too. I that was my bracket, Tampa yeah. Nashville. So, I you mean, know, I had the Caps at least getting to the conference finals against Tampa, but I didn't have the Capitals mm-hmm. beating Tampa. I didn't but have them beating Tampa the as well. Yeah, yeah, but here's the key thing that everyone also needs to remember going into this series. You know, we talked about how they play with the defensive style and they're both offensive at the same time. Look at how the Cavs played game six against Pittsburgh. Look at how the Cavs played game six and game seven against Tampa Bay. Look at how Vegas has played all the teams. What's the key thing that you've always noticed in them? When they get the lead in those games, it becomes the real dogfight. Whoever gets the first goal in every game is probably going to win the game. So that's the thing to really watch for. Who gets the first goal and how fast can they get the first goal? Mm-hmm. That's the key thing right there. Because it's well, going to be shut down hockey and it's going to be fun to watch. We are going. We are in for a very intense Stanley Cup final. Game one, Monday, T-Mobile Arena. Vegas has home ice advantage. Uh, even crazier about this whole Vegas thing. Yeah, they somehow have home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, so, Higher seating than the Capitals. Yeah, I believe they had four more points than them during the regular season, so that's how it all balances out. Um, Mike, any closing words from you? If you'd like to tell the people where they can hear you in other in other places on the internet, feel free. Yes, so you can follow the show on Twitter at, at TXHT underscore hockey. Uh, you've seen the guys tweet us out, so you can just look at one of their tweets and just click on there and hit the follow button. Um, Facebook at facebook.com slash TXHT hockey. Um, Patreon, we have our own Patreon page, which we post everything on, uh, patreon.com slash TXHT underscore hockey. And we do our show live every Saturday at 11 a.m. This Saturday might be pushed back to a later time for a very specific guest that I want on the show because it will be my Stanley Cup preview show. And uh, it's twitch.tv slash TXHT underscore hockey. And um, real quick, uh, which one of you schmucks want to come on this Saturday so we can do a Stanley (laughs) Cup uh, playoff or finals preview? Well, I'm going to be away. Well, so I can't. Oh, <laughs> and I so. can't either. <laughs> but see, see, look, I'm recommend... inviting you to come on my show on your own freaking show. It's what we do behind <laughs> the scenes now happening on your show. <laughs> I do recommend talking to J- uh, Jean-Luc Shapiro, though. He is a great dude, and I'm sure he would love to do it. Set up a conversation after your show is over, and we'll we'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks, yeah, it's Mike. about time you got me on the show, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>
And honestly, good luck to the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup final. Thank you. I Like I told you last night in our text message, you were happy for Ovi. I'm happy for me because I waited 20 years <laughs> for this. <laughs> All right. Night, you buddy. have a good night, fellas. You too. Take care. So, uh, as we move along here, um, we are, our second guest will be joining us momentarily. Who He is a newcomer to the show, and we've recently been in contact with him. He's a really cool dude, and he is from Norway. His name is Roy, and he is going to talk about some awesome Ranger-related stuff with us. And uh, I can't wait to talk to him. So, in the meantime, while I wait for Roy to come on, let's get back to... David Quinn for a little bit. So, um, David Quinn, new 35th head coach in Rangers history. As I said before, much, much different than Elaine Vino. And uh, we're going to get Zach's take on that because you guys heard me around about David Quinn at the top of the show. Um, but really, you know, David Quinn uh, said all the right things to the conference. He just put out a letter, actually, uh, on NewYorkRangers.com. It just got posted telling the fans that he's going to do everything he can to make this team the absolute best it can possibly be going forward, saying all the right things. So let's get Zach's take a little more on David Quinn while we await our second guest. Zach, if you could give our listeners kind of a comparison, how do you think Quinn differs from Elaine Vino, and what will fans like about his style and I guess like his coaching mantras as opposed to Elaine Vino's? Um, so from what I've seen, it's it's a lot more. Excuse me, it's a lot more um, direct. It's a lot more positive. Um, you know, we heard a bunch today, um, and JL actually in his post today, uh, up from today's presser, covered it nicely. Um, was that we heard the word accountability a lot we heard the word um responsibility a lot we heard the word fair a lot so we're talking about a coach who is going to understand that you know if a guy makes a mistake he knows what he did wrong he knows not to do it again and he knows that the coach is going to hold him accountable where if he keeps making that same mistake it's not going to fly um, whereas with Vigneault, we saw guys weren't even given the chance to make mistakes. Um, you know, people calling for more, ice, for more, ice, Ooh, what is wrong with me? People calling for more ice time for guys like, uh, Buchnevich, um, calling for, um, certain players to get less ice time, certain players to play in certain situations. Um, so we're talking about a coach who's going to embrace, the fact that he has a young team embraced the fact that he's got a lot of prospects waiting in the wings. Uh, so that's something that certainly um, is something to look forward to. Um, and it's, he all, I mean, he had, he said there's going to be some similarities as well. He said the practices are going to be upbeat, very much game-like, uh, which is something that the Rangers have had since Torts uh, was, was behind the bench. Um, you know, the the other thing is that AV's game was predicated on speed and getting the puck up the ice quickly and, and offense, um, which is something that's kind of gone throughout the league now. So, you know, where the coaches make their money is defense. And 
uh, Alinvino's system worked for like the first two years of the zone man hybrid, which uh, was more man than zone. But, you know, for David Quinn is a former defenseman. His hockey heroes are, he said today, were Ray Bork and Bobby Orr, certainly two guys. Um, any any hockey player, uh, especially a defenseman, would idolize. Uh, so he knows defense. Um, he he said he's going to be a he wants his team to be puck hounds, uh, much like Vegas, as I said earlier. So that means that when they turn the puck over in in uh, the offensive zone, um, or the other team is um, hanging out behind their net waiting for a change, they're going to flush them out and not let not let their opponents. Um, just sit there with the puck, killing five, ten seconds at a time. The other thing um, is that, you know, because of the way Vigneault coached the last couple of years with his defense and, and the turnovers and, and all that, you always saw a guy dogging it coming back on a, on a breakaway or a two-on-one. I have a feeling that Quinn's going to um, take no nonsense for that, where, again, that accountability – um, that responsibility being fair where, you know, if, uh, if let's say Kreider turns it over in the neutral zone and they got a two on one going the other way, Kreider knows if he doesn't get back and, uh, try and make a defensive play and give out, you know, full hustle, he's going to be glued to the bench for a significant amount of time. And that's something where, um, I think we, is something that, frustrates a lot of fans uh, from the last couple of years, um, and it's something that should be done anyway, but now you're going to have a coach who who's going to expect that his guys do the right thing at the right time. You're right. And now I'd like to welcome and now I'd like to welcome our second guest. Someone new to the Tilted Eyes podcast who I think everyone will have a great time listening to. Now, he's a he is a reporter from Norway and his name is Roy. Roy, please bear with me. I'm going to do my best to pronounce your last name. Kvatningen, am I correct? It's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's a stronger G. It's a Kvatningen. But, uh, oh, I see. Pretty okay. good. <laughs> Roy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you for so, having me. Yeah, it's a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. So, uh, before we get into the questioning, um, would you just like to introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit of your background with hockey? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been a sports writer for 14 years in uh, Norway, where I was one of a few sports writers uh, that cared about hockey. Not too many do that back home. It's not a big big deal there. Um, so I was uh, <clears throat> I was in, I was introduced to Matt Zuccarello when he was a teenager. Uh, that's the first time I had my I had an interview with him, and then I just followed his career. Um, three years ago, I moved to New York to become a political correspondent. I was kind of tired of soccer players and stuff like that, uh, but I kept uh, kept covering Zuccarello for my newspaper. And now I've actually quit my job to start a hockey magazine in in Norway based on. Uh, I guess the athletic model, you can say, or DK Pittsburgh Sports. So I'm going to do hockey full-time. But I've been kind of basically the Zuccarello beat writer, going to every home game in Madison Square Garden and talking to him after the games, after every game, basically. That's so awesome. So when you met him as a teenager, I'm sure uh, 
I'm sure that must have been so cool to know him all these years as he's ascended kind of this hockey ladder. So yeah. uh, what can you tell us about more about the relationship between you and Matt's? Because he is a one of the biggest fan favorites at Madison Square Garden. Everyone loves the guy. He wears an alternate Captain A on his jersey now because of his leadership skills. Uh, what is it like to know him on like kind of a more personal level like you do? It's uh, it's interesting because uh, he doesn't like journalists very much. <laughs> he, he's not a he's not a fan of being in the media. He doesn't he he doesn't crave attention. He wants, uh, for instance, now uh, when we when we come into the locker room after a game, if they have won and he doesn't have any points, he doesn't always show up. Most of the time he does, but not always. But if they lose, he shows up. Constantly, every time he sits ready in the locker room when we enter it, because he wants to take responsibility for the loss. Um, so he's kind of he, he understands his role, and especially in Norway, where he's by far the biggest hockey star, one of the biggest sports stars in Norway. He understands that he he has to be there for the media in order for the sport to grow in Norway. Um, and since I've been a been an NHL junkie since the 90s with fantasy leagues and stuff. I know NHL, so he kind of respected that I actually knew what I was talking about, whilst other Norwegian sports writers were unfamiliar with uh, the intricacies of American uh, sports with uh, salary caps and drafts and stuff like that. It's very different than, than European sports. Most European uh, sports writers write about soccer. So, so that kind of gave me an advantage. Um, and, but it was, it was, um, it's, it's a, you have to work at it, because, um, because he doesn't like the attention, um, so it's not, he's not always happy to see me, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel like he, he really respects me, and actually sometimes uh, when, um, when uh, other journalists from Norway are present in the locker room from time to time, they ask him some questions. Sometimes he will refer to me and say you should ask him instead. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess that's where it's at. Um, I'm not sure he likes me as, that much as a person, but he likes that I know know my stuff about the NHL. So, um, and he's very very friendly with me, answering texts even when I'm back home in Norway. Or yeah, yesterday when when uh, David Quinn was hired, he answered my text and and uh, got on the phone with me. So. Uh, it's been it's been fun, but I have to I have to say when I first saw him play, I never thought he'd get to the NHL because he was so small. But it was so fun to look at. He made watching hockey so much fun. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, Roy, per, perfect Zach, segue, ahead. Roy. Perfect segue. Thanks again for the help yesterday <laughs> with the uh, with the quotes. Um, so. Let's let's go back not as far as when you first started with uh with Zook, but uh a couple years ago, um when he took the puck um from I believe it was Ryan McDonough uh that, that landed him in the hospital in a very scary situation. Um yeah. it's only fresh in my mind. Obviously the Ranger fan, but also last night we saw uh McDonough hit two capitals with pucks. Um one hit Devontae Smith Kelly in the back of the neck. Um, the other one hit TJ Yoshi. He came up a little slow. Um, what, what was that like, um, for you, not, not only as a reporter, but as someone who's known, uh, Matt's for probably close to 15 years. 
Yeah, uh, they they sheltered the information uh, to an uh, impressive degree uh, while it was uh, uh, at the, at its worst. While it was uh, basically he was close to losing his life, so uh, we didn't know much about it at at that point. Uh, we thought maybe he had a severe concussion, uh, stuff like that. Nobody would answer texts or anything, so. And I know I know his stepfather very well as well because uh, he's a hockey figure in Norway too. Um, and I also know his uh, his PR manager, so I know people around him. But nobody would tell us anything. So, so I didn't actually understand how uh, how serious it was until he was getting better. Actually. Now, Roy, you said you spoke to. Uh, Matt, possibly about David Quinn. Can you give us some insight into how he feels about the new head coach behind uh, the, the New York Rangers bench? Yeah, sure. Um, um, let me... Um, yeah, well, I, I can interpret the, the conversation. It's not something I'm a big fan of doing, because I prefer people to say it themselves, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a secret anyway that he's he's kind of curious about what direction the Rangers are going because he wants to win games. He wants to win every game. He's a real, real strong competitor. I think him and Matt uh, and Henrik Lundqvist are maybe the two biggest competitors on the team. Um, he seemed a bit hesitant and uh, cautious about whether or not the, the Rangers management want to focus 100% on player development and not care about winning because I think he'll be happy if they do both. But if the focus is solely on player development, I don't think he'll like that very much, to be honest. That's my interpretation of the call. Um, he was, he seemed more hesitant than, than he, he usually is. Um, and I also asked him, I, I didn't give you all the quotes, but I also asked him, because um, I didn't use all the quotes, I asked him about his future and whether or not um, his talks with David Quinn would would affect his decision to sign a new contract or ask for trade and stuff like that. And uh, uh, again, his, his, he, I think he wants to stay, but I don't think it's more than a 60-40 scenario where I think he, in a week from now, maybe he wants to leave and the week after that, maybe he wants to stay. I think he's considering this um, very much at the moment. Um, but he loves being a New Yorker. He loves being a Ranger. He loves living in the city. It's very convenient for him. It's easy to travel back and forth to, to Norway. It's easy for uh, his friends and family to come visit him. So I think he loves that part of it. Uh, obviously, his relationship with the, with the fans here. Uh, so he, if the Rangers were about winning, I'm, I'm sure they'll uh, he, he'll love to stay. Uh, if they want to I think give him a bigger role in even bigger role, like ask him to be a leader in the locker room, ask him to be a mentor to the kids and stuff. I think he'll embrace that. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting though, because he played with, uh, I mean, he, he played a lot of the last season in, on the third line. So me personally, I think he'll, he suffered last year points wise. I think he's going to suffer the next season, which is the last of his contract. So if I were his agent, I would, make him aware of the fact that he's going to lose a lot of money on his next contract by staying. Mm. Um, but I don't, he doesn't really care about stuff like that, though. Yeah. Um, well, as for me, and I think I can speak for some of us, or most of us at uh, 
uh, at our publication and our podcast that we love having Matt's on the team. I mean, you know, he's such a team guy. He seems like he's so well-respected with his teammates in the locker room. Uh, I've never, like, heart heart and soul, that is who he is. And it's so great to have a guy like that. So, as for me, I hope he does stick around through this rebuild and he can be one of the leaders when they come out of it. Um, Be great Uh, to see. Yeah. Yeah, my my impression is also that the Rangers management uh, identifies this and sees his strengths very much, because he he comes to the to the job every day to training uh, with a smile on his face uh, and wanting to put the effort in. So so he's got a great attitude. He's got a, um, a mood that's contagious and makes the locker room pretty easygoing. Um, he loves to make jokes. Uh, he's a lot more fun when he's not talking to the media. That's my impression. <laughs> um, so, so I think he'll be a perfect guy for the young players to to have as a role model, to see his professionalism, to see how hard he works, and also that he's trying to have fun while while doing it. Um, which is why I think their asking price is pretty steep. That's that's my impression because um, I think they want to keep him. So, Roy, the only. The only thing that, uh, not the only thing, but one thing I picked up on is that you said that you're not sure uh, if he plans on being in New York long term. So uh, I kind of have a two-part question. One is, if the team makes him um, their next captain, um, which is something that we've written about on the site, um, as, as Russell mentioned, he's a huge fan favorite. He's the heart and soul of the team. Um, he's a consistent, you know, 60 point, uh, score every year, uh, has won the Stephen McDonald award. Um, either he or Henrik Lundqvist have won the Stephen uh, McDonald award, excuse me, uh, each of the last few years. Um, so if he becomes captain, um, would he, would that something that changes his mind? And, and, and second would be, um, have you heard any, Anything about teams that have inquired about him, where he has that uh, where he has that input on uh, on potential destinations? Sure. Um, regarding the captaincy, I, I'm not sure it's a big thing. I, 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 he would consider it a huge honor, I'm sure, which it is. I mean, it's the New York Rangers. Uh, it's not not your average club. Um, but he doesn't really like all the media attention, so I'm not sure he would love that part of the job. Uh, I'm, I think he's more, more interested in whether or not the Rangers are going to go for the Stanley Cup in two years or three years, or whether it's going to be four or five or the process. Because he's he, he'll be 31 when next season starts, so he doesn't have that many years left, even though I think he can still play at least five years if he wants to. Um, so I think it's more about what the Rangers envision for the club uh, in the next two years. Um, I think that's the most important thing for him. Uh, when uh, regarding clubs and interest, um, I, uh, I, I, um, I've heard from one source, a good source, that Calgary Flames and San Jose Sharks were interested and uh, inquired about him. Uh, I don't think this is my interpretation of the talks I've had with that source uh, that the offer or the the demands from Rangers were so steep that the conversations didn't go very far. So my impression is that Suk didn't 
have much input on it. But I may, I may be wrong there. Uh, I also may be wrong about the clubs because I only have one source. Um, that's why I, I haven't really written much about it. Um, I mentioned it as rumors, not as something I know for a fact, because I need at least one more source to, to feel that I can say that. Uh, but we know that Calgary Flames are still looking for a right wing, so I wouldn't be surprised if someone inquires about him again. Um, and I know at least another club that uh, at least their scout loves him very much, but I won't say what club or his name. <laughs> um, so there's some interest there, but I think the Rangers appreciate what he brings to the team enough to demand at least a first-round pick and a prospect and maybe even a player, I think, was their price at the trade deadline. But that will change if he says, I'm not signing a new contract. So you'll never know. Thank you so much for the input on, uh, input on that, Roy. That's really awesome. You know, we love interviewing different people that have different perspectives on the hockey world. So it's been great to have you on so far. So thank you once again. My pleasure. And um, uh, so you mentioned to us that uh, there's going to be another charity game uh, uh, in Norway uh, at the yeah. National Arena for, their, for soccer. And uh, can you go into that a little bit and exactly what Matt Zuccarello's input on, the, on that is? And also, you mentioned to us that you'll be speaking to Henrik Lundqvist. So uh, just can you fill us in on what's going on with all that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, Zuccarello started his own foundation a few years ago. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist also has a foundation, and they're um, joining forces this summer to play an outdoors hockey game at the, at the Norwegian National Arena for Soccer in our capital, Oslo. So um, it looks like the, the arena, the game will be sold out, which will be somewhere maybe close to 25,000 people in the stands, uh, which is pretty impressive. Our national soccer team doesn't fill this arena very often, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it'll be a show game before that with some celebrities and stuff, and and also the day before they'll have a, a charity auction dinner where they are auctioning off different items, uh, trips or signed thing, items, uh, meets, meetings with uh, Zuccarello or Lundqvist and other things to, to raise money. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And th- what they want to do is raise money for, for children. Zuccarello is really, really fond of helping children, especially those who can't afford uh to play hockey in Norway. He has uh, his foundation are focusing on uh, Norwegian kids who can't afford hockey equipment themselves. So they buy it for them. And also abroad, he's doing a lot of work in, in Africa. He was in Tanzania a couple of years ago. He's going back to Tanzania this uh, off season uh, to help with, um, to help kids who, um, uh, to help kids have fun at school and use sports as uh, a tool to uh, be more interested in education, uh, which is something he's doing with it, together with an organization called uh, Right to Play. Um, so, and, and as I mentioned, I know his uh, PR manager, which is uh, he's a friend of mine, um, and he uh, has invited me to come uh, come to Stockholm when uh, when Lundqvist and Zuccarello will have uh, have uh, one of their final meetings before the game. So. Uh, I look forward to that. I'm not even sure Zuccarello knows that I've been invited, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so I may, uh, Kevin may get in tr- into trouble for this, but uh, I hope hope it's all right that I say it. Um, 
So that's obviously a big deal for my new hockey site that I, I can get some exclusive inside and uh, and stuff like that. So I'm very appreciative of that. Of that. Um, um, yeah. So and I may also even help them out a bit because I know uh, I know I know there's a few journalists, a few beat writers from New York who wants to go to Oslo and cover the game and obviously have some experience from the media. So I might help them out with the media credential stuff and everything media related. Uh, to help the Americans visiting. That sounds great. I mean, the more eyes on that, the better. And hopefully, uh, are they looking to continue doing this through hopefully different summers? Is this looking to be hopefully an annual thing? Yeah, this is, uh, I believe it's going to be the, oh, my memory is so bad. Fourth time? I think oh, it'll yeah. be the fourth okay. time. Yeah, they, they've done it three times in a smaller city called Stavanger, which is not a, in Norway, it's a big city, but it's one of the, four biggest, I think. Uh, so they've had that, but that's a smaller venue. Uh, they've been playing indoors with a with an in an arena with a two two three thousand capacity. So this would be a much much bigger deal, and it's also easier to travel from New York to Oslo. So I think it will attract more stars. I will I won't say bigger because some pretty big stars have participated in the past, like Peter Forsberg, yeah, Marcus Maslund, uh, and a lot of the Ranger players. So uh, I think we'll see even more this this summer. Uh, so yeah, Good. this that is only, an annual thing. Yeah. Good. That only bodes well for uh, the char- for their charity going forward. The more eyes on it, the more people, the more money they get to funneled into these charities would be amazing for uh, all the people involved. Yeah, and also creating interest in this in the game of hockey in, in Norway. I mean, I can't tell you how much it's done for uh, for the interest of NHL in in Norway. I, I mean. When I started following in the NHL, I didn't know anybody else who did. So I, I kind of did it alone, sitting up at night and watching some games if I could, and reading stats and stories and stuff. Uh, it, it got easier once the internet came with full force. But these days, we have uh, a big, I would say, NHL community on Twitter. Uh, we actually just, this week, uh, <laughs> through Twitter, we started... Um, uh, we're starting a new fantasy league with 32 teams. So we got 32 managers just randomly picked off Twitter that is interested enough to to go in the, in a fantasy league with salary caps and contracts and farm team and everything. So Sukrel has done a lot for the sport in Norway. That's, um, that's without question. All right, Roy. So final question from me. Um we know Zook was dealing with a little bit of a knee um, injury, uh, nagging, pain all year. Do you have any um, update on, on his condition and also um, how far along he is uh, getting ready for next season? Yeah, uh, I, my impression is that it's it's not going to be an issue. Uh, I think he's close to full full health now. Uh, actually, uh, but he did have a procedure where they they went in and took some blood out and uh, seemed a little bit like something complicated, but not the procedure itself, just what they were actually doing. Um, uh, but it made sense because I've been seeing him limping in the locker room all season. Um, but any time during the season when you ask him, he says, no, no, no problem, no pain uh, like any hockey player. So was just after the season he disclosed that he'd actually been struggling with it all year. Um, but it made sense because I've seen, I've seen him limp. Um, 
But uh, he he said uh, on breakup day that it would be a four, five, six week thing. So I don't think it will be an issue at all for next season. I actually think this uh, off season will do him the world of good. To to uh, I'm, I'm a, for for his NHL career, I'm happy that he didn't play the World Championship. As a Norwegian hockey fan, of course, it would be great to have him there. But I think for him personally, it was a very good thing that he didn't. I know he wanted to play, but. Uh, I think he needs a long off-season. Roy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's been awesome to hear this perspective from basically the other side of the world, from someone who's known this <laughs> Zuccarello growing up and through his years in the NHL and giving us this really great perspective on a player that means a lot to a lot of people over here in uh, New York City. So uh, sure. I'd, like to wish, I'd like to wish you safe travels back to Oslo uh, to, when you cover the game. And... Uh, also, I'm extending an open invitation whenever you'd like to come back on the show to talk anything about hockey in Norway, any news about Zuccarello, any news about hockey basically around the world. Feel free to come back onto the show. We've had a really good time talking to you. Thank you. My pleasure. I will. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have Thank a good you. night. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, you very too. much. You too. Take care. Take care. Thanks, Roy. Thanks. Bye. So that about wraps us up this week on the Tilted Ice podcast, but I think I'd like to, one from me and one from Jack, just a closing word on our new head coach and going into next season. Um, This was a weird season for the New York Rangers. You know, we haven't been in the playoff tournament for the first time in a while. And, you know, things have been very hopeful the past few weeks leading up to this entry draft where a lot is riding on the scouts and a lot is riding on the coaching staff to make the right decisions about which players will lead us into the future. So I have faith in David Quinn. I think everything he said today, um, the mannerisms, the way he's speaking about the team, the way he's coached at BU and other organizations previously, I think the guy knows the direction this team needs to go. And I think that he will be exactly what the doctor ordered. I like what Zach said before about that he's going to be in the middle of torts in Elaine Vigno. Hard when he has to be on players, but he'll know exactly what he'll need to do to motivate them. So I'm greatly looking forward to seeing David Quinn behind the bench in the fall. Yeah, the only the only thing I'll add or the only couple things I'll add is um like I said before, um he's a defensive coach, um played defense, uh grew up idolizing two Hall of Famers. So you're talking about a guy who is going to know what he's talking about on defense and that's and that's, you know, defense was championships isn't just uh, something to say when you're talking sports, it, it, it's usually true. Um, Vigneault's philosophy was the best defense is a good offense. Um, didn't really work when you turn the puck over half the time you have it. Um, so you're going to see Quinn as a guy who is going to emphasize smart puck management, smart decisions with the puck, um, not making a careless play that will put you out of position defensively. Um, and again, like like we've like everyone's been saying, and like it's been going around uh, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, this is this is going to be a young team, uh, a team that is going to make mistakes, a team that is is going to go through some growing pains. But it's a very skilled young team with high end talent. Philip Hedl and Leah Anderson, we know already. Um, but we're probably going to see Tyron competing for a spot um, in training camp. He put up 
something like 75 or 80 points in the WHL this year, uh, 60 of which or 61 of which were goals. Um, so he's a goal scorer. And now we're talking about the draft and free agency where you have a coach who has a specific way he wants to play. And now Jeff Gordon, who originally said that there was no timetable on finding a coach, has a clear direction of, of how his coach wants to fill out his roster, what kind of players the organization should look for um, in the draft. Um, Brady Kachuk uh, is, at B, is at BU now, um, so maybe the Rangers can find a way to get him, uh, either mm-hmm. by moving up or hope he's still there at nine. Let the rumors uh, begin. <laughs> yeah, let the rumors begin. But uh, as always, as always, we'll have it on Forever Blue Shirts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, get excited because as bad as the season was, this summer is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. It, it only goes up from here, Rangers fans. We have an amazing entry draft to look forward to. We have a nice free agent class, which we'll see if Ilya Kovalchuk really does come to this side of the uh, the side of the world and decide to sign with the New York Rangers. We will see that very soon. Uh, we or could John be looking Tavares. at some or John Tavares, which that is still a possibility. We could be looking at some very young, high skilled, talented players joining the ranks of the New York Rangers farm system. Uh, starting with the entry draft, uh, Brady Kachuk, Oliver Wallstrom, Keandre Miller, Dominic Bach, Jesperi Kokiniemi. There's a lot of choices going around. Um, there's a lot of good, talented prospects in this draft, and uh, we will see who Gordy Clark, David Quinn, and company decide is are, are the right choices to help lead this team into the future. So, everyone, enjoy the Stanley Cup final. Whoever you're rooting for, if you're not rooting for anyone, still it's going to be some great hockey. Um, We will be back after the Stanley Cup final leading up to the entry draft, and we are going to try to get Mr. Steve Cornianos back, the draft analyst, to discuss whatever picks the Rangers do make in the entry draft. So we will be back very soon. Enjoy the Stanley Cup final, everyone. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. You can listen to this episode and more on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. You can also listen to us on Blog Talk Radio as well as SoundCloud. Visit us on foreverblueshirts.com. You can also read us on Yardbarker as well as Apple News. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM, with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. 
A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.